This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Today on Inside Supercars, we hear from the man who makes the pitches happen. The head of broadcast, David Tunnicliffe. We have to follow what the cars do. The cars are never going to follow what we do. So we look at the behaviour. We'll even tweak camera positions over the course of a weekend. Um, You know, that'll certainly be something we'll need to look at at Newcastle because it's a new car and we need to see how it behaves on that circuit because it may be completely different through a sequence of corners as it was when we were last there. Tunners on Inside Supercars. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, and we're joined by a man with a new season, a new job, a new title, and welcome to David Tunnicliffe, Head of Broadcasting at Supercars Media. Great to have you on the show, David. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. David, uh, your, your role at uh, Head of Broadcasting covers a, a vast gamut of uh, responsibilities and duties. Can you give us an insight into what this new season will mean with the new generation of cars? Well, for me, ever since you know I took the role in the middle of last year, I've had one eye on the start of this season because this is a great platform for us as a broadcast unit to take that next step in how we deliver the pictures and the sport on television. Uh, we've got new cars. We've got a lot of excitement around the new Mustang and the Camaro, and it, it really gives us an opportunity to change how we do some things, how some things look, how some things sound, and how we present ourselves and take ourselves to the next level. It is all exciting, all shiny and new. And as I said to you when we uh, spoke very briefly at the 12 hour, I'm expecting that the fans at home are going to see a lot of shiny and new parts of the telecast. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we never sit still. We always want to keep improving. And if we didn't do that, then we wouldn't be doing our jobs properly. And and that was certainly something I started looking at last year. You know, from Townsville onwards, I I spoke to a lot of our department heads within the the Supercars media team about just looking at the one percenters, how we could improve things week in, week out, that overall would make a better product. But then with one eye on the start of this season where we could make big changes, there was no point coming in and making a sweeping change in an area where, you know, perhaps wouldn't be appreciated quite so much. Whereas when we get to Newcastle and we have these brand new cars that we're really looking forward to seeing, we could launch a new look. So, you know, with that in mind, um, we're revamping how our on-screen graphics look. And, 
that includes some of the slight tweaks we made last year and then an overall look because these cars have stepped up in how they are presented and we need to do the same. So new graphics, um, and I'm excited for people to see them. I think it takes us up to a more premium level. Um, and then also new cameras and new camera angles. We're always looking at how we can improve and take the viewer closer to how these cars behave. So looking at different angles on the cars themselves. And then, of course, you may have seen the, uh, the news that we're uh, incorporating driver's eye, the small camera in the helmets um, of the drivers into the championship this year. So that is something I'm really excited about. We, we did a, a test in Adelaide. Scott McLaughlin, who was part of the team for that weekend, said that was as close as you could ever get to driving a supercar watching it from a camera. On the driver's eye, since you've brought it up early, how do you balance the amount of vibration and shock that is naturally going on through the driver to the image and how much stabilisation can something like that provide? Well, I think that's part of the thrill of it. You know, we're not getting rid of our in-car cameras, which have, you know, ever since race cam, as you know, have just provided an incredible insight into what goes in, uh, what goes on, sorry, inside these cars. This is a new way of looking at things we've seen what it's like inside the car but what's it really like for the driver so for me the the angles that the drivers turn their heads the way they lift their heads up and down to look in the mirror to look down at the the data display on the steering wheel the bumps at certain tracks you know we we talk about so many different elements of racetracks which are really hard to get across on on broadcast if we talk about like the bumps at Pukekohe or the bumps in Townsville, you're never really able to get a decent idea of what that's like until you see a driver's head bouncing around because they've gone over a bump or gone, gone over a big curb at the Gold Coast. Then you really see what it is like. So for me, that's part of the attraction of driver's eye is that it's quite a raw look. Um, the motion inside there is very realistic and, and there is no stabilisation because we want it to be as real as possible. And for the tuning of it, do you actually get with the driver, helmet on and, and look at a target and then and then have him looking at a dot and you make sure that smack bang in the centre of the picture is w- what his eyeball is focused at? Yeah, with, with the setup of the helmet, it's, um, there, there is a very small area of, of where we need to be facing. The camera is placed within the padding. It's FIA homologated. There's a lot of um, formalities that we've had to follow here with the, um, the developers of this um, racing force uh, over in Europe. And, and there is very little room for error in terms of where we place it. Granted, different drivers have different colored visors and they may have different size sponsorship on the, the top of their visors. But really, because of the way the padding faces within the helmet, which is pretty uniform across um, you know, all drivers, that the, those cameras tend to face the way that you want them as soon as you put them in. Well, we're sort of getting in a bit micro here, so let's look at the macro. <laughs> and with the graphics, the presentation and the talent, they're the, the three things that the viewer of the television coverage are, are most presented with. Mm. How have you been able to tweak them? And it isn't a surprise that you look internationally for where the sport, motorsport and motorsport television is going. Well, from uh, the graphics perspective, as, as we've you know, spoken about, we, we wanted to have a more premium look. So we've, we've tweaked some of the colours, um, the readability of some of the graphics and 
basically how we present ourselves. What I always remind people of is that for a lot of the time, people watch sports either at home or quite often in a social setting like a pub where you may not be able to hear commentary. So the graphics provide a silent commentary. There's, there's got to be clear messages that we can display on there, both for the people at home who are listening with the volume up loud and for those, you know, like at your Bathurst barbecue, you might be chatting to mates for two hours and not hear a word of commentary, but the graphics will tell you there's a safety car. The, craft, the graphics will tell you the lap that we're on, that there's, somebody has done a fastest lap. It's about making things easy to read, simplified, whilst also delivering the technical details that many fans want. From a presentation point of view, you, 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 we're, we're very lucky. We're very lucky with the, the talent pool we have here in this country who've been doing these jobs at such a high standard for so long. And, and for me, there's there's little need for me to, to change any of that. Obviously, we look to bring in some new and familiar faces throughout the year just for special occasions, as we did last year with um, Greg Murphy over at Pukekohe. Scott McLaughlin came to Adelaide. And we're always looking at where we can do some guest appearances there. Um, and in terms of presentation, again, the sport provides us with everything we need. You know, one thing I'm keen on is is educating people. That's really key with the Gen 3 era. There's a lot new on these cars, so we'll be aiming to educate people, explain a lot about the cars, what's different, what's new, and also the history. And I had this conversation with Mark Larkham the other day that, you know, whilst people are, you know, begrudging the demise of Holden, let's not forget that, you know, 60s and 70s, you look at the photos of what was being raced and it was Mustang versus Camaro. So if you say you're a Holden family, and my grandpa went to the track and supported them, or dad or great-grandpa, I guarantee you at some point they were cheering on a Camaro racing a Mustang. And, uh, well, this one's a question from a Mr John Faulkner, number 46. Are the numbers going to be prominent in the graphics? Because it is funny how divisive numbers over abbreviated names can be <laughs> it is it is and, and that goes back to to what i was saying there we've got to be clear on what information we're, we're presenting so uh, this goes back a couple of years really when uh, a couple of us were trying to work out the abbreviation of a name when we were on air and that indicated straight away we weren't doing it right if we didn't know it then what chances anybody at home got to know so full names there um we we tweaked it last year as i mentioned one of the one percenters we we did away with bespoke coloured NASCAR style numbers and went back to the blue for Ford and the red for Holden in a clearer font. Um, we've done the same this year. The numbers will be clear. You'll have your Ford drivers with a blue background and your um, Camaro drivers will have the gold. One thing that's uh, very different this year, David, is the return of a broadcaster, a radio broadcaster, um, with SEN and the Supercars deal. It's pretty exciting for a lot of people who may not want to be sitting there in front of a TV, but wanting to follow the sport because, as you well know, uh, there are a lot of people who sort of resent sometimes that uh, they can't watch every weekend anymore. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as you guys well know, that you know, a sport that gets coverage in every, any media, is, it, you know, it, it benefits hugely. Um to have radio coverage is fantastic, you know, from my point of view as, uh, you know, the, looking after the broadcast, hopefully that drives more people to watch the broadcast, that they get more interested. I mean, there's so many people who, uh, you know, I know 
driving my kids around on weekends when I'm not at the racetrack that I flick the radio on. I'll hear the latest AFL scores. I'll hear the cricket scores. I'll hear the rugby league scores. And then if supercars is in the mix there, you suddenly find interest in it. You know, this is where I've listened to sports reports about something I've never seen before, but I'll find an interest and I'll hear something. I'll follow it up. So that radio deal is magnificent for us and, and how that drives more people to our events, to our broadcasts, to our partners, that, that can only be beneficial for us. It's going to be produced by SEN, but how will it interact with your operations on the ground? To be perfectly honest with you, uh, the deal's just been done and that's something I'm not across yet. It's yeah, Obviously, there is economies of scale. They'll bring on a crew, but you're going to have the bulk of the people that might be able to feed in as another channel. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is the number of channels that you now produce content for. And it's not just the online anymore because online has about, I would imagine... 10 channels that are bespoke? Yeah, so there, there is a huge amount of video content that we produce now, um, both live at an event and post-event. Um, yeah, just if you look at a broadcast point of view, you know, obviously we're live on Fox Sports, we're live on Seven for some rounds of the year, we produce uh, highlight shows for Seven, highlight show for Fox, and then all our international partners who join us live and then obviously for highlights in the week. On top of that, our digital channels get huge, huge numbers. People at the racetrack or people watching at home who get the behind the scenes or they get the replays of moments or, yeah, there's there's all sorts of content that we produce. And as a business, we've looked at that very carefully. And that's another aspect of the content that we produce that we've looked at how we can lift not just the standard but also where we go and and, and how we present ourselves as a as almost like a united front so we have that common look that common standard um across the business in every area that we present videos from david you've obviously got a brand new field of cars there which uh, is fantastic the old cars of course will be featuring super two but uh, one of the other aspects, of course, that's uh, been happening on a regular basis is the annual top-up. Now, this year, we've got three exciting new young drivers in Declan Fraser, Matt Payne, and uh, Cameron Hill joining the series as full-time drivers. Now, I mean, last year, of course, we had Tom Randall and Brock Feeney. So there's been this really good re-energising of the field, so to speak. Um, that's something, obviously, you can, you'll can you be featuring as well, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, you know, you mentioned some of the names there, and the best thing for me about that is obviously that these young drivers have all come through, you know, they've all had experience in those categories that, that run below supercars. You look at how many Dunlop Series champions or runners-up are now in the full-time supercars field, and it's fantastic, which really puts a really strong eye on that Dunlop Series for who's next, who's there for 2024 and 2025. And as for those new faces who have come into the championship, they've obviously come with a you know, great pedigree, and, and, and those names are known already because of what they've already achieved. And I think that leads on to you know, the other element of what we really try to do is, is explain who these people are. We see a lot of the, um, the action on the TV screens of the cars or the drivers with their helmets off. But we've got some uh, helmets on, I should say. But we've got some great characters. We've got some really interesting characters within that pit lane. So, 
getting to know the drivers, the characters, who they are and where they've come from is obviously a key part of the education of the viewer. And that's not just for those three uh, rookies that you mentioned, but also the rest of the field of, of, of those who've perhaps been in there for over a decade. And there's always elements of these people that you may not know about. And it's a key part to, like I say, to educate people and, and to help them find their favourite driver and who they should barrack for at Bathurst and who they should, you know, maybe not want to cheer for because they don't like the same footy team. Yes, and that's that's the balance, isn't it? Because potentially you have 50% of the field that people like, 50% of the field they hate, but you've got to cater to both and positive in every aspect of what the sport's doing. Absolutely, and we're never, never ever going to tell people they should love this person or hate this person. We're delivering information to help you learn about them and make a choice yourself. You know, that's the great thing about sport is everybody's got an opinion. Not everybody will have the same opinion. And that's part of the great thing about chatting about the sport is that you can argue until you're blue in the face and neither side will ever win. (laughs) Yes. And one of the things about coverage that fascinates me is how it evolves. And particularly when we look at motorsport over the years, The focus was always in the race coverage and we would see vignettes and little side-by-side features that now might be an internet interview or it might be a, a grab that would be put into the race coverage. But we've seemed to have moved away from encompassing more into the race than just the race. Do you see any sort of shifts to having more uh, additional content being put into the race time, which is the highest viewership of the uh, offering? Well, I think what's evolved is, is particularly in the pay TV era, is the change in, in how sport is presented on television, not from the content, but more from the hours. You know, the, the Fox Sports deal changed the way supercars appeared on television just because of how much you actually get. What that gives us is a great vehicle for telling those stories in longer form or, um, you know, introducing people to more characters within the pit lane and then also leaving the race to be a race. There's no real need to try and cram everything into that, you know, 90-minute race window because ultimately all you're doing there is if you break away from a race and you miss a moment, miss an incident, you're playing catch-up straight away and you're all you're going to do is annoy viewers. So if there is a race on, you want to be focused on the race. And if there is nothing on track, that's the time for your storytelling of, you know, the the, the, the driver at home and the person behind the helmet, as I've mentioned, that's your time for that. How many hours are spent working out how you're going to fill three <laughs> days of coverage? And, and do you break it down into six-minute blocks, three-minute blocks? How, how is the logistics of that? And then when it's presented to you, how do you go about reviewing it? Well, yeah, you do break it down. There's, there's a phrase my wife uses all the time when I say I'm you know, overfaced with, with work, and that's how do you eat a dinosaur, and it's one bite at a time, and that's the same for us. You know, Essentially, when you approach a broadcast, you know that the times that matter, and it's a phrase I've used within the, the, the Supercars Media Department as well, it's Hollywood time. You know the stories that matter. If you are uh, the person that only has the time to switch on just before the race, and watch until the end of the race, then switch off again because you've got to go somewhere else. We've got to encapsulate everything in that window. 
there are the hardcore who watch all day, every day, but that's not everybody. So that Hollywood time is where you've got to tell the important stories of who are we, what are we, where are we, and how are we? And you'll fit that in in the best possible way. So you've got to look at that as a starting point. Then you'll have other stories that, as you mentioned previously about the different channels that go on, we may have a long feature interview. There may be an extended interview that then goes online, but that could run earlier in the day because it's not building up to that moment when the lights go out and the race starts. So it's really, we'll, we'll know what the stories are. We'll know what the important things we need to educate people are. Um, and we'll create a content list. We'll then prioritize. We'll put them where we think they're most important or most relevant. And then it will work back from there as to, you know, this bit is not relevant before qualifying. So we can run that before practice. And then there's also other talking points that will develop over the weekend. And we'll leave windows ready for that moment that we need to pick apart with analysis when three cars came together at turn one. Whose fault was it? How did it happen? There'll always be windows we'll leave for that because the last thing you want to do is back yourself into a corner knowing that you've got no time to talk about the thing that matters the most. Some years ago, an interview I did when Marcus Ambrose was still racing in NASCAR, um, I had a conversation with him about uh, the way in which the series looked, NASCAR versus V8s or supercars. And um, I said to him about how um, the supercars are so much more brutal than NASCAR. And he said, do you realise, Tony, that, you know, these things got 900 horsepower and every corner you're about to have an accident. So I said, yes, I'm talking about what it looks like. And, and I said to him that the one thing that, that supercars and V8 TV have done over their duration, going all the way back to the 90s, was that they have always refreshed camera positions. They've always made sure that it looked fresh, it looked new. Um, obviously, going to Newcastle, we haven't been there in three years. Um, can you tell me, in your pre-event um, checking, are you going to be putting the cameras in the same spots? No, we'll always evolve. We'll always look at difference. We've made changes to Newcastle. We've looked at where cameras did work and where cameras didn't work as um as good as we thought. To use Bathurst as a really good example, we're constantly tweaking Bathurst. You know, I mean, we've been racing there for so, so long. And if you look at the camera plan on the, the positions of most of the cameras at Bathurst from, you know, way back yonder, they're very, very similar. However, as cars evolve and speeds change and driving styles change, that's where you need to change your camera positions um, up the top of the mountain. We have our speed cameras fixed to the wall. We've moved those several times over the years, purely because of where people are making impact with that wall is changing. Crashes are changing. Driving styles, like I say, speeds are changing. The way people may approach a corner will change year on year. So we're always looking at that and we have to follow what the cars do. The cars are never going to follow what we do. So we look at the behavior. We'll even tweak camera positions over the course of a weekend. Um, you know, that'll certainly be something we'll need to look at at Newcastle because it's a new car and we need to see how it behaves on that circuit because it may be completely different through a sequence of corners as it was when we were last there. We've heard a lot of talk about the driver's view of the car have you mounted your in-car cameras and done all the testing of the views you're going to get through the window of the new car yep we were trialing that with the prototypes throughout last year um, obviously there are changes 
in the car and obviously you know different views for the drivers so we've had to work with that too we we think we've found a great result and gives you a, a a really good mix of seeing both in the car and through the windscreen which is always our aim and you took over from nathan midway through last year how are you enjoying being uh, being the boss oh it's fantastic i mean I count myself really, really lucky. Of all the sports I've worked on and with over several decades in the industry, supercars was always the one which was the best to work on, really, from this side of things, because the teams and the drivers get what we're trying to do. They understand the outcome we're trying to reach, and they also understand the commercial benefits that they get from us having a camera in this position or wanting to do a different thing with them. that It's a phrase I've used before. They just get it. So from our point of view, we can suggest anything. It might not always be a positive response, but nine times out of ten, if it's not a positive response, it will be a, but what if we did it this way? Uh, and you just don't get that in other sports. Your background Let's talk about David Tunnicliffe. You've won a number of Supercar Media Awards over the years, and including the team winning last year for the series about, uh, what was it, two guys and a, a girl in a stand? Well, we did, a, we did a few of them. It actually started back in Kukakari. It was an idea that our producer, Bryony Ingerson, had of um, celebrating the history of Pukekohe and having three men on a bench. And it was Paul Radisic, Greg Murphy, and uh, Richo sit, sitting on a bench, and they just chatted for half an hour. It was three blokes just genuinely having a chat about Pookie. And we ended up running, I think, 12 minutes of it, which is yeah, pretty unheard of in this era of TV to run such a long feature. And it could have gone longer. We just couldn't fit it in between the track sessions. And that, that then flowed on to others. So we had three men on a beach. We had three men on a wall at Adelaide three men in a grandstand, and, yeah, so we've, we've done a lot of that. But, yeah, where have I come from? Well, um, I arrived in Australia in, in 2003 and um, actually initially started working with SBF before I moved to Channel 10, uh, and I was the supervising producer at Sports Tonight for a long time, and that was in an era just towards the end of, of Channel 10 having the supercars rights and having watched it for a number of years back in the UK where I originate from, I was lucky enough to go to some events and really get a hands-on um, feel for what the sport was all about and got my first experience, like I can say, of, of how good it was from a media point of view. Got to work with um, the greats, Billy Woods, Lee Diffie, Greg Rust, all of those characters that, that made... Uh, Supercars so successful on um, on ten before it, it, it moved over to seven. Um, I've I've worked all over the world as well on Olympics and Commonwealth Games and Super Bowls and Ashes series, and then made my way back to supercars in in twenty fourteen and, and never looked back. What is it about motor racing? Were you a motor racing person before you got into ten? Absolutely, yeah. So back in the UK, I worked on. World Superbikes, MotoGP. Uh, I loved the British touring cars. Used to go and watch those guys, watch the supercars where I could when we got coverage in the UK, uh, and really had a, a real passion for watching motorsport. Uh, and then, yeah, once I moved over here, was uh, was really keen to get involved, and, and it, it took a little while, but finally did. Got my feet under the table, and I'm not moving them anytime soon. Of course, one of the things, David, that you're, you're – 
business, that being television, um, has is a measure, and that being people watching television, the number of heads you get. Um, it's a, obviously it's a measure of uh, success. But uh, uh, do you think that the biggest challenge is going to be growing the audience? Because you've probably been seen it in the last few years where there has been a dwindling for different reasons, and a whole bunch of reasons, I imagine, that there is an opportunity there for, for really growing the sport again. Yeah, absolutely. As I said right at the start, this new Gen 3 era is a great opportunity. It's a great platform. Uh, it's a great way to drive people back to the sport or bring new people in. We held our season launch recently where we had a lot of people who hadn't perhaps been exposed to it. Um, we drove 12 of the Gen 3 cars into a venue and revved the engines up. And, you know, you, you know as well as I do how exciting, how how much adrenaline you get when one of those cars drives past you. So we did that. That's that's a good starting point. Then from a broadcast point of view, yeah, absolutely. We need to, you know, you always want to grow numbers. I think it's really interesting how um, popular the streaming apps are now for the networks as well. That's that's obviously an area of growth. And um, as a sport, obviously, we're, we're very keen to grow in broadcast too. One of the things, David, that uh, you may not have been around for um, was when uh, there was a particular on-air program sold for the Forex girls. Um, I was at that launch down at the Docklands in Melbourne, and I was staggered to see um, the way in which the team owners that I was with, and, and they're people that you and I both know, uh, Tim Edwards and the uh, Ross Stones, etc., um, how much they were just so convinced and rightly proved that this was not where supercars or V8 should be going. Um, that was a major faux pas on the part of management at that time. I imagine that you would certainly not want to see a repeat of that sort of endeavour. Oh, look, you know, I think there's things we can focus on here that, you know, like I said, the launch we did. For me, you know, heading into round one in Newcastle, we've got two different sets of heroes here. We've got the, the cars and we've got the drivers. Uh, everything else around what we do is really dressing up and, and, and making it the best presented sport we possibly can. Like I say, the, the, the cars are the new heroes for the fans and whichever side you're on, be it Ford or Camaro, you know, the, the drivers are the heroes for fans too, so that's what we'll be selling. Is the 30 minutes on the off-racing weeks or the one hour on the off-racing weeks that holy grail that everyone has to try and find the show that will help help the sport when it's not race weekend? I think that's where our digital content really, um, really you know, comes into, into play, how we can continue to engage people how we can continue to tell that story because so many people consume media now via their mobile phones or via a tablet people are on the bus going to work on the train going to work sitting at home at the end of uh, dinner when the kids are in bed just catching up on the day's news so it's bite-sized consumption maybe some long-form content um, it's telling that story continually between race events that isn't necessarily just one program that we focus all our attentions on. I think, you know, like I say, the digital platforms are now where people consume most of that, and that's hence our reason for really, you know, looking at how we approach it and how we lift the standard of that content. David, well, thank you very much for joining us on Inside Supercars. It's been wonderful to get your views and what the direction you're taking this uh, broadcast in. Um, I look forward to watching it, but. Uh, 
I'll be at Newcastle, so I won't be watching the television closely. But I look forward to seeing the new look and the new uh, feel of uh, your broadcast. Thank you again, David Tunnicliffe. Uh, we look forward to meeting up in Newcastle. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you on the streets of Newy. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.